Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Product. I'm your host, Zach Darnell. My co-host for this show is Jim LaRue. Jim is an engagement manager here at SEP and has been with us for 12 years. He has had the opportunity to get to know our guests over the past few years and helped bring their story to you. Our guests are two product leaders from Zotec, which is a healthcare technology company based here in Indiana. Our first guest is Joan Santiago, and she's been with Zotec for the past 16 years and in recent years has focused more on the digital product vision and execution. Don Kane, our other guest, has been with Zotec for almost four years, helping to lead a digital transformation, bringing new products, practices, and philosophies to the team. They've had some interesting challenges and uh, some unique successes through this journey, including an application that many Indiana residents have used during the pandemic to view test results and schedule their vaccines. So with that, let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Product. For this show, I'm joined by my friend Jim LaRue as my co-host, and we're talking to two folks from uh, Zotac, which is a company here in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, we're joined by Joan Santiago and Don Kane. They're both product leaders and have been at Zotac for, for quite a while now. Joan and Don, how are you? Doing great. Very good. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us and telling us a bit about your story and kind of the journey that you guys have been on here recently and most recently, some of the products and contributions that you guys have made during this pandemic. So, you know, su super excited to jump in. Joan, for some context, can you tell us a bit about who Zotech is, what you guys focus on? Just tell us a little bit about the company. Sure. Um, so our founder, Scott Law, founded the company back in 1998. The main purpose is really to improve the business of healthcare. And so we are the largest private revenue cycle management provider for medical groups in the United States. What does that mean? So Zotech manages 120 million medical encounters annually wow. um, across the country for 18,000 providers nationwide. You know, our goal is to help always to improve business for, for healthcare. Wow, I did. I didn't realize there was that much breadth uh, in your guys's portfolio. That's that's tremendous. Absolutely. Now, Don, I've kind of seen some transition through the years. Have you guys? Do you guys feel like you're more of a service organization or a product organization or a combination between the two? I think when I started here, we definitely were a services company. And Jim, you were here in some of those early meetings where software was almost a dirty word. I think during our time period over the last three and a half years, we've gone from pure services to a technology-enabled services company. And now when you look at some of the new stuff that we're doing with our scheduling and client registration and some of the stuff that we're doing with ISDH, we're actually now morphing even a little bit into that software front. I think even if we may not consider ourselves a software company as of yet, many of our new clients that are buying us as a service are relying heavily on front-end software. So to them, I think it's going to be even more blurry. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly always felt like a blurry line. Joan, I know you've been, you said we're just before the show, you've been here for 16 years. So uh, much longer than both Don and I 
um, have been a part of Zotec's story. Um, how, how do you feel like things have evolved, you know, over the past four or five years for, for your role specifically, but also for Zotec? I think that the awesome thing about Zotec is always um, nettle, never settling, always pushing us forward and, and trying to look futuristically and, and where we want to go as a company. Our leadership does a great job of that. It's awesome to sit in rooms and just listen to the interactions. So I've been here 16 years. I've never, um, never questioned the direction of the company. I, I feel like we always have opportunities given to us to, to move forward in, in our roles and with the organization itself. So I've seen it really evolve from, you know, what Don stated, really a more waterfall methodology. I think that we were so familiar with where there wasn't a lot of interaction with our stakeholders and with our clients and, and things of that nature from the technology side of the equation. It was really driven a lot by our, by our internal operational team. And I think as a company, we really have involved using that, you know, moving into that agile approach in using Scrum and, and making sure that all teams are represented in those conversations because I think to come to a, a solution that is progressive and forward thinking, it needs a collaborative discussion. It's just allowed us to be really who we always have been, collaborators and innovators and doers. And so that's what our team is made up of. And I think that's how and why I've stayed at Zotec so long is it's the passion, the persistence and the dedication and just of the team in general and, and never, never worrying about the next endeavor and, and the challenges that come with growing as a company and, and growing into those new, new kind of positions, I guess you would say, or, or new, new futuristic applications. So it's just amazing on the, the aspect of the people versus process versus technology. That's really a motto of ours as well in, in making sure that all three of those are represented in, in pushing us forward. I mean that's that's an amazing story to hear, and as a as a company that that also has uniquely long tenure, you know, how do you think you were successful in accomplishing that? That seems like a really really hard, tall order. That's a hard thing to do. What do you, what, what what made you guys successful over the last few years in doing that? I can speak out on my perspective for being here um, with the company so long. I, I think it's the trust in the leadership. You know, you don't always have trust in, in your executive team um, with your downstream and, you know, employees. And, and I just don't think that we look at each other as just an, as an employee to an employee. We really are a family. And so I think the direction that Scott Law and the executive team had in taking us was really futuristic and where we needed to be going to be able to service the type of, of clientele and, and to continue to improve, you know, the health care business. And so I think there, it, it comes down to the trust of the team um, on each other. I also, it comes down to having critical conversations and being able to openly discuss concerns or pains, growing pains, so to speak, and, and not feel like you're unheard. They go unheard, but really be able to, to look at them and, and identify, you know, what is root cause of that pain and, and how do we work through that and get to that next level? So I really do think it takes you know, communication and trust from top to bottom down in the organization. I think we had that. I think coming in as the new guy, my perspective is a slightly different. We use a lot of sports analogies um, in, Indiana, in Indiana, but um, they had a championship team and a championship culture. So when I, when I joined the team, it didn't take me long to get that feel. But at the same time, I mean, I, I feel they brought me in and Scott 
he brought me in as a free agent and he really let me make some changes. So I had to respect the culture that they had, but I also had to add to it as well. I think I did that by kind of earning the team's respect, but I also brought in some outside people and some new leadership as well. And we, and we really built upon that championship foundation they already had. And without that strong culture, sometimes that outside influence is very disruptive. So I, I think that the trust that had already been built with the leadership that was there and the trust that that leadership put into the new leadership they were bringing in, that combination made for made it easier for me to retain those tenured people. But I mean, that's what you want when you're building a team. You bring in the new players, you want them to meld with the old and you want to keep winning. And I think we've really, we've really done that over the last three and a half years. I love the sports analogies. You know, that we've mentioned this ISDH project a couple of times. I'm kind of curious. Can can Joan, can you tell me a little bit about what that product or project is? Sure. Absolutely. So we had a at concept a, a, a bill pay care solution that is utilized and, and we developed back in 2019 for our um, relationship with Walmart Health. If, if anyone's um, familiar with that, Walmart decided to get into the healthcare field and has clinics over um, the country um, nationwide. And so we are their technology underneath. We saw the need when the pandemic hit. We're always a company looking to, you know, help in any way we can and and really care about people. So our team reached out to the state of Indiana to understand, you know, what were they going through and and offer assistance. Just, hey, we know testing is going to start. We'd like to offer any type of assistance that we can. So within a, a week's time frame, we were able to really understand their their needs and desires in order to really be effective in the COVID testing and understanding the results of that testing. And so we were able to, to pivot our patient bill care solution and capitalize that and use that in the testing arena for, for COVID testing. And that's how we got started kind of into um, working with the state of Indiana was really the need to how can we help get our fellow Hoosiers back to work and back to a normal state of life, so to speak. In 2019, that product was originally kind of developed. 2020, we took it and we we reimagined it. And we were able to take a 100% manual process and digitize that um, for the complete process. It wasn't just about, you know, how can we help the state be able to accomplish performing these tests, but also how can we help make it a much easy, seamless process for the patient or for a person to actually even schedule and, and register f- for those appointments. And so it was a it was built from a, a pandemic <laughs> that happened that no one expected, but it it allowed us to really walk the walk that we always talk about, you know, caring about others and, and putting our best foot forward on on helping humanity itself in, in empowering the healthcare individuals to really focus on healthcare and let our technology do the work for them underneath. And so that's how we kind of got started into to our relationship with the state. State, And it did evolve into a couple of other aspects of that. We moved into flu vaccinations um, first in 2020. And then immediately following that, um, we kind of had two quick changes with the states. So pivotal changes was 
COVID rapid testing, you know, be able to do rapid testing instead of three days for a result, being able to get that instantaneous result and being able to collect that data, as well as being able to vaccinate individuals against COVID. And so those were things that came uh, it came through um, later in the year of 2020 and that we're still actively a part of in, in helping service the state's needs and in, in being their technology partner. Wow. You know, you, you mentioned uh, challenges. I would imagine you know, there were some unique challenges for these products. Uh, you know, um, things that come to mind are ADA compliance, maybe uh, HIPAA in some ways, uh, language support, things like that. I mean, what were, tell, tell me a little bit about some of the unique challenges for this ISDH project. There were some. <laughs> <laughs> I think always in any technology, there's always challenges in anything that you do yeah. as a technology company. And it's, it's how you look at them and, and know that um, you can work through those solutions. So, yeah, I think the biggest challenge, you know, the first challenge was we wanted to create a seamless solution. Um, we interacted not just for us, but also to the state. And then the state is also interacting with the public. You know, they're interacting every day on, the, on their website and providing statistics and data to citizens as well as governmental agencies and things of that nature. And so it was being able to create that seamless solution that wasn't just about scheduling an appointment and, and, and having that provider be able to provide that that service to that patient, but it was also all the reporting and regulatory types of, of things that were required of us to make sure that was also a seamless process. We also wanted to make sure that we were always communicating with those patients because it was such a changing landscape. It seemed like every day new challenges or changes were coming down to the state of Indiana from from the federal government. And so being able to really listen to to their needs and being able to provide a, a solution that could also interact with a patient on critical information that they needed to have was also something that we really worked hard to create and, and deliver on. So it was it was looking at the whole totality of the picture and saying it wasn't just one facet we were trying to, to deliver a digital solution for, but it was really just the entire experience that we wanted to be able to provide to the state of Indiana and know that they had confidence in everything that was being done by the technology and being able to be delivered to them for re- any type of reporting or, or conversations that they were having at a level that, you know, was not known to us necessarily. Right. And Zach, you mentioned a lot of the private data aspects. We've already had to deal with that throughout the, the history of our company. What was really interesting for me, the two things where I really think that were the challenge for us is as a technology-enabled services company, we did not have to worry about things like browser support or language support or because we could control that environment and deliver our service. So we could provide the tools and stuff that we needed to our employees to be able to deliver the service. With this particular project, we lost all of that control. We were going out to a much broader audience. It was the state of Indiana as a whole and all of the Hoosiers that are in the state we couldn't control the browsers they were on. And in addition to that, when you really think about it, Joan, you might be able to tell me the languages we ended up doing, but we were pushed very quickly to do a couple of different languages. And for anyone who's ever done those types of work before in product, that's not a small undertaking and a small feat because there's an internationalization portion to that, which is architectural in its nature. But then there's also all of the translation that needs to be done as well. So we needed to do all of that. And that was something that as a company, we had never 
once again, stepped up to and been challenged to do before. And yet we were able to do it in a very short time frame. Wow. Yeah, you, you guys have mentioned both a couple of the, the complexities. I know, and you know, Joan, you mentioned changes coming down from the state with which vaccine could be given to who and how often and you know how to schedule follow-up appointments. You know, that, that's just a little bit of the complexity. Um, I imagine that complexity sort of influenced the structure of the project, maybe how you either, you know, either process you followed or how you structured your team. Can you just talk a little bit about how you, you know, handled the complexity? Sure. So, so the team, um, it was really a passion project for the entire company, to be honest. We have a great team of innovators and, and, and collaborators and doers. And I, I know I've said that before, but it's really true. I think once we kind of understood at a minimum what the requirements were, we were really able to capitalize on the, the, the team that we had and really allow them to shine in their own shine a light on them on on the things that they really love to do. And that's just develop and, and deliver quality products and be a part of, of the team goal. And so we, we always look at things as a, as a team. And so I, I think, you know, we align people on the teams to help. We, and really people stepped up and volunteered and said, I, I want to help and be a part of this and, and even utilized outside normal, you know, company time to, to be a part of this project because it was so near and dear to them personally as well. And so it helps when your team as a whole is always willing to challenge themselves and be able to step up and say, I think I can take this on. This is something I understand the need for, and I have the experience and knowledge to do that and to, to help others complete this task. And so we really saw a lot of that happen with inside the, the team, the development team, in creating the solution. I think we had a lot of the core foundation there too, though, that really helped benefit us in, in being able to deliver the solution that was being asked of us. So there were a lot of pieces that were already in place in our application. And so it was just taking that and kind of uh, pivoting that slightly to be able to, to reimagine that, so to speak, um, for the use of, of the state. And, and yeah, there are always challenges and aspects of what that, that client needs. But I, it's no different than any other challenge from any other client. It's, you know, you have to listen to what they ask and, and come up with the best solution. So I think we were able to, to complete that because of the team, because the teams know where they excel at and those team members, you know, really aligning themselves and saying, this is a piece of area of the, of the functionality that I think I can bring the, the most impact in the shortest amount of time. Cause when you look at it, we, we really had 10 days to create a product and put it out into the field um, to be utilized for COVID testing. And so from that initial conversation to the first piece of deliverable solution to the state was a 10-day process. So I think you you have to rely on your team to really work together and orchestrate who are the best individuals to be on a project based off of where the changes um, were needed in the application and really just let them go and push through it heads down and, and just excel. And that's what they did. Yeah, Don, you you brought up the the waiting room, and I know it didn't initially get launched with the waiting room. Um, and I, I feel like there's a there's a pretty pretty cool story there, a pretty cool uh, you know pivot about how you guys adapted. I mean, obviously, uh, it'd be tough to anticipate the load whenever this was first opened up, and then moving from eighty plus to seventy five plus to seventy, you know, and all that every tier hitting you with hundreds of thousands of more uh, you know 
more uh, encounters. Um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about how the the waiting room came to be? Well, I mean, Joan, f- feel free to elaborate as well. But I think um, we were very we it, it didn't go out initially, but um, during the initial testing, we we started we did start having some problems with some crashing, and we realized that we weren't going to be able to predict the subscription rate and. We, we might run into some issues. And as we started running into those issues, it's another great example of where an agile methodology allows you to really make some quick changes. That was a whole new UI, a whole new experience. Uh, there was some architectural changes made in the back end to allow for people to be aware that they were still connected and things were taking a while. And um, I think by the time we finally got that out into the, the public's hands, there was even like kind of a countdown. I don't remember if it was where they were in queue or an estimated wait time or something, but really highly informational to them to, to know that they, they hadn't just lost their connection. Think of all the times that you've been on sites and you know, you're all of a sudden you're not sure if you're, if everything's in your cart still, or if your checkout's still going through, we were able to handle all of that. And it was, if it wasn't very, very last minute, it was directly after launch. So, um, which you can't do that in a waterfall and a waterfall methodology. So I'm 100% confident that all of the work we've done over the last three and a half years enabled us to really take on this challenge and be successful. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that. I agree with Don. It was, you know, in in kind of conversations before that, but it rapidly got developed in, into the wild, so to speak, for, for utilization. And we did continue to evolve that application even after we got it out because there were other other uses that we saw that would be beneficial. And so those mass vaccination sites driving traffic to certain sites and, and helping them understand, you know, those were going to be available to them. That was another aspect that that type of application allowed us to kind of bring on and help assist the state in driving those initiatives, so to speak. So it definitely was something that allowed us to be, you know, to gate the traffic and to ensure that we never went down. And that, and that was really our, our mission was we never wanted to drop anyone's request into our system and, and so that was just another way that we were able to to utilize and ensure that that didn't happen, as well as continually looking at and monitoring the system and, and making application improvements on optimizations and, and throughputs and things of that nature, which is you know normal for any technology company. But it was really at a heightened level <laughs> on the um, product that we were working on for sure. So I'm, I've got one last question for each of you really quick as we wrap up. What's one maybe piece of advice or nugget of wisdom that you have incorporated into the way that you show up every day by working on this project over the last year? Ooh, that's a good one. Who's going to think of it first, Joan? Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Never feel limited. I, I think we sometimes limit ourselves to what we think we can do. And I think it was disproved very much multiple times over and over again in this last year that we can do so much more than what we think we can. And it takes a village to accomplish great things, but to be just a small contributor to that village can make a huge difference. And that's what, you know, I really have learned and really instilled in others over the last year. I think I I always knew it. You know, I always was an individual contributor and it was important to pass a fell as a team, but it was never so seen until this last year that it really does take everyone and don't, don't set limitations on yourselves because you can so exceed it. If you 
you know, if you just go by, anything's possible and know that you're working together as a team and, and you have people to depend on. You know, it, it's interesting. I would have gone to a similar place that Joan went there. We brought in a, we brought in Kevin Bailey, one of the founders I mentioned from Slingshot, who now runs, he works heavily with Powder Keg, but he also does some other work as a growth mindset coach. And we brought him in for our product leadership team. And we learned about the hero's journey and how at times during that hero's journey, you're going to run into those obstacles. And part of what you do is you go find your supporters, the cast that's going to help you conquer that. I think the thing that that I've learned that's just, I don't know how to say it quite, it's a little different here is most places you work, you kind of know who the hyper performers are. They're, they're, you just, they're kind of known and you kind of go to them. And what's surprising at Zotech is it's sometimes hard to know exactly who the hyper performer is because there's just so many of them mixed in. There are certain people you can re- absolutely, like any culture, rely on high performers to excel. But the the breadth at which people can surprise you here is 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 just it it never ends. So I think the the combination of um, what Joan said is is ne- never feel like a task is too big. But the second thing is is just just know that the supporting cast around you is is just as motivated to succeed as you are. And and those two things have worked great for us. That's great. I love that. It's, uh, those are both very good reminders for anybody that's been doing this for a little while. Uh, Joan, Don, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on the show and just telling us a little bit about your story, what you guys have been through, and, and some of the things that you've learned along the way. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you for having us. We were more than happy to share, and we've really um, enjoyed the partnership with SCP over the last three and a half years. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Daryl. It's been a pleasure today for sure. And Jim. Oh man, Jim, we just got done talking to Joan and Don and, you know, I felt like I walked away with, with, you know, some uh, new things I didn't know about them. Uh, they're a very little large impact company here in, in Indiana. I, I didn't really understand all that Zotech touched. So that was really cool to learn. And, and just some of the things that they've gone through over the last few years as a company, uh, love hearing how uh, some of these agile and, and digital transformations are, are lived out over years inside of a company. You know, you've been with them, uh, working with them for the last few years. What, what, what were some of the things that you pulled out of that conversation you think that were, uh, were interesting? It's, yeah, it was it was really cool to watch and, and to you know, have even a small part in it uh, was uh, was a lot of fun. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Joan mentioned that there was like a 10 day period to get their first product uh, for the ISDH effort out the door. I mean, that is an amazing turnaround time. And and I love what you're talking about this idea, you know, the bringing intentionality to not not solely being a service company, but uh, but the way that Don put it, this technology supported services company with collaboration and um, an organization around it. I, I, I love that as well. You know, the other thing that I thought was interesting as part of that was the, the focus on talent retention. It's very, very hard to do in our industry, as, as you and I both know. Um, you know, SCP has a, has a very long tenure uh, talent retention, which is kind of unique. And it sounds like Zotech uh, also has that. And as part of this transformation, that being important, uh, for them organizationally, yeah, we're going to bring in some new folks, but we're also, uh, we want them to meld well with the existing team uh, in a way that works well organizationally to still move forward, but maybe in a new way. Uh, so I, I, I love that pull. You know, the only other thing that I pulled out of that conversation 
was, uh, you know, Don talked about language support and, you know, I, I know you and I have, have seen this numerous times, uh, you know, somebody, uh, has a, you know, relatively, I'm going to say quote unquote, simple idea for a feature and doesn't really understand how sometimes the, the, again, quote unquote, simplest ideas are sometimes the hardest things to implement in, to a software product. Uh, I feel like I run into that constantly. I'm, I'm sure you do as well. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't seem to, to ever go away. That's always, uh, something that, that, uh, seemingly you run into it in different projects over time. Yeah. And the, uh, the localization problem, yeah, which is, you know, what you call the changing from English to Spanish to French to, you know, to whatever language is on the page can certainly seem like it should be very simple, right? Right. Like all the words and everything is just there. Uh, but then you start talking about uh, character length and how that's going to impact screen layout. And uh, it can get really complicated really fast. That's so true. So lo- lots of good uh, nuggets of uh, learning and wisdom in, inside this story with them. So Jim, thank you for joining me as my my co-host on this one. I appreciate you. And thank you for our listeners for checking out the show. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, it's fun as always. <laughs>